Welcome to Say What? A Fresh Look at Old Sayings, the podcast which explores the origins, meaning, and value of old sayings, familiar expressions, and adages. I'm Dave Ellingson, adventurer, author, educator, and seeker of wisdom. Today's episode is part of our series life journeys. And my guest is former colleague, friend, and professor emeritus, or emerita, right, emerita. of children, youth, and family studies at Trinity Lutheran College, Sue Hoglum. Welcome, Sue. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah. So, Sue, tell us about your very interesting and adventurous life journey. Some of the the twists and turns, maybe a detour or two, and some of the highlights, just so folks will have an idea of your life journey. Well, my life journey is continuing, <laughs> but it began on uh, at a very young age. I think I was two when my family uh, moved to a farm in the Willamette Valley, uh, south of Salem, Oregon, and we. I grew up on the farm where we had cows and sheep chickens, geese, lots of dogs and cats, boats. Uh, we raised some lamb for food. Uh, and we had a humongous garden and berry vines that my father was um, really very, very productive. Uh, very productive little plot of land. Um, that was a great place to, to grow up. All during that time and continuing to this day, my vacations have centered almost exclusively on tent camping. As a child, we were in central Oregon all the time. Sometimes we'd venture up to British Columbia, sometimes Northern California, although that was very rare, mostly central Oregon. And now my husband and I, and we're in our 70s, keep in mind, we tent camp every August at Mount Baker, which is uh, a little slice of heaven on the north side out of Bellingham. Um, and this year we've even added a second camping trip down to the Mount St. Helens area so we can explore that area, which we've never spent any time in. So we're kind of excited about that. So and and between my growing up years and and my current love of out of doors, I spent much of my adult life in rural Alaska, not big city Anchorage or Fairbanks, but we were in an Eskimo village, Keller. We were in Nome, which is the, the hub of the Seward Peninsula. And then for eight years, we were in Kodiak on Kodiak Island. Uh, those were wonderful experiences. And of course, they involved a lot of um, outdoor time, hiking, fishing, lots of tundra berry picking. Um, I became famous for my mixed berry, tundra berries, by the way, mixed berry pies when we lived in Nome. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah, and between that, I've had a lot of gardens. My backyard is filled, half the yard is filled with garden boxes, berry, berry vines. Uh, pretty fun. So my, my journey has been an outdoor kind of journey, not the rugged backpacking, kayaking like you do, Dave. 
kind of thing. More, more subdued, but there's certainly a, 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 an affinity toward the out of doors and how that nourishes a person's body, mind, and soul. Um, you had uh, some formal education, college and graduate school. Say a little bit about that because you know the, I, I call the outdoors the great classroom, but you were yeah. indoors a bit too. I was. I uh, graduated from um, PLU, Pacific Lutheran University, in Tacoma, Washington, where I met my husband and still most of my very closest friends were friends from college. During that time, I was a camp counselor in British Columbia one of the summers. That was pretty fun. Um, then I, uh, I did a master's in elementary education at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, where we lived for four years while my husband was pursuing a PhD in religion and psychology, and I did a master's in elementary ed. Um, we were outdoors a lot during that time too, and got to explore Mammoth Cave National Park and Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Now, I won't call those mountains, they're kind of great big hills, <laughs> but it had a beauty that was uh, just unsurpassed the row upon row upon row of mountains that were all blue hazy. That was, it was great. Um, so even though I did have formal education, um, it was all kind of couched in outdoor stuff too. Yeah. But I went to college in the 60s. <laughs> so that should tell your listeners a lot. Uh, we there were uh, protests at that time. There were black armbands. There were uh, writing congressmen. I can remember sitting behind a typewriter on the porch of um, the administration building at PLU, typing out people's letters to their senators, uh, protesting war and invasions and that sort of thing. Yeah. So so farm girl Alaska adventure person, teacher. What was it about early learning with children in particular that drew well, you? Well, I think um, my mom had five children. Mm. I was not the oldest, but I was the bossiest. So I kind of had a lot of the attributes of being the oldest. And I had two younger sisters. And I remember from a very young age, I was their teacher. A lot of the time I was their caregiver. Um, I set up little schools for them and fr from a very young age. I did babysitting, even though we lived on a farm, I still would be out um, babysitting some. Uh, I didn't really intend to go into early learning. Um, I fell into it in some in some respects, when we went to the Eskimo village, they were in need of a preschool and kindergarten teacher. And I said, sure. So I developed a program in a tiny Eskimo village. I had seven little Eskimo kids in my uh, class that were just priceless. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and I was hooked. I was hooked. Um, then when we lived in Kodiak, I began my own preschool with a, a partner and it was just, it was fabulous. It was known in Kodiak as just being the, the best preschool, best place to send your little kid. 
um, and I thrived in that. But then um, my path kind of went other directions. I was hired uh, by Trinity Lutheran College, LBI, to be the teacher of their Christian ed program um, 20 some years ago. And I did that and I did it well, but I still had in the back of my mind my love of young kids. So as part of my, my task at Trinity, I developed a four-year bachelor's degree in early learning. Um, it was, I think it was the second one, a four-year program, a second one in the state of Washington at the time. It was, it was unheard of. There were lots of programs, the two-year um, community college programs, which are good, but I wanted a four-year uh, degree. So I developed that, and that was kind of one of the highlights of my career, I think. And I had, um, we were a tiny college, so I didn't have massive numbers of people, but I have a lot of people through my program who are still in the field. And in the field of Christian education has a huge turnover, mainly because it's very low pay and unappreciated and unsupported by so, so many, even though I like to tell my students, it's the most important time in a child's life is those early years. So I, I had a good time running the childcare center in Nome when I lived there, teaching in Teller, having my own preschool in Kodiak, the highlight of that early learning was Acorn Learning Center on the rooftop of the parking garage at Trinity Lutheran College, <laughs> which was childcare and preschool for our students, staff, and faculty. It was not a licensed um, uh, program, mainly because the state wouldn't license us. I mean, we were outside all the time on top of a parking structure. Why and were you outside on top of a parking structure, Sue? Well, because it was an urban campus. We had one large building in downtown Everett, Washington, and there literally was no outdoor space at all. And with you, Dave, we developed an unbelievable garden, uh, which was very productive, and play spaces for our littlest in our community, our preschoolers, our babies even. And that was the highlight of my career, I think. Um, I loved that school. I loved what we did. I loved the impact that we had on the children, of course, but on my students who were uh, all the ones that would um, uh, uh, do the teaching and the caregiving, but also on the community as a whole. Um, you were really good, Dave, at bringing in um, lots of athletes and others to help out with the maintenance of the garden. I was good at bringing in a variety of people to help care for the children. Um, we had sand pits, two of them, and garden boxes, and meadows, and willow tunnels. Um, we had a student who painted a river going all the way around the corner and down the parking area. We took over half the, half the parking garage. It was, it was pretty fantastic. We so had a I garden can remember, house. I can remember looking out the window. Your office was in just down the 
couple offices away. And I remember looking out every day and watching the kids play. And one of the highlights for me was in the garden where we grew all sorts of wonderful vegetables. We had sun gold tomatoes, these little red or orange tomatoes. And I remember these three-year-olds and four-year-olds yeah. uh, for their snacks, yes. walking through the garden and picking veggies. And yes. uh, it was just, uh, for me, again, like for you, a highlight of, uh, of my career and working with you was yeah. a joy. So and that was great. The kids wouldn't let the blueberries ripen. They would eat <laughs> the mint leaves all the time. They're chewing on mint leaves. It was pretty great. So, so I know you have a, a mentor uh, in Scotland, I believe, and, and this, I do. this whole area of outdoor early learning is a very interesting thing. Why don't you say a little bit about her and about how that has kind of developed and developed a whole, a whole school of thought, if you will. Right. Okay. Her name is Claire Warden, Dr. Claire Warden. She is in um, Creef, Scotland. Um, but before Claire, there was someone else. And that was a student of mine, Aubrey Jakes. I think you remember Aubrey. He came to me one, one time in the early 2000s and said, I'm really interested in the relationship between children and nature. Could I do an independent study on that? And oh my goodness, what Aub Aubrey did was to open my eyes, to really turn my journey back to my early journey of growing up on a farm and living in rural Alaska. Um, but it combined my love of children, my love of nature, her love of children and nature, and out of her independent study, we, the two of us, developed a course called Children and Nature. And that was a very popular course at the camp, on the campus for my majors, as well as children, youth, and family studies and psychology majors. Um, it was always a filled up class. In that time, we discovered this um, person Claire Warden, working in rural Scotland, that uh, had a, a series at that point in time, I think she had two or three childcare centers that were 90% um, outdoor based. And this is Scotland. Scotland has weather very similar to the Pacific Northwest, um, wet, drippy, and they have these little bugs over there called midges that are just, they're horrendous. Um, I ended up studying one summer, one June, with Claire um, and a large group of people, and I was hooked. I talked with her about the possibility of bringing my students to Scotland on a study tour, if we could study with her. And I actually did that two different times. I took two different groups of students, 20-somethings in Scotland in January. Oh my goodness. It was... Um, wonderful and very difficult mm -hmm. but we had uh, a lot of learning happened we had we got good ideas we got good education we came to understand how important um, being out of doors is to a child's physical emotional spiritual 
mental um, development. It is, it's how through the vast history of humanity, it's where we were. It was our environment, the out of doors. It's a blink of an eye in human history to be indoors as much as we are now. So I, I, I learned from Aubrey, I learned what to do and how to do it from Claire. Um, I've done a lot of reading. I have quite a library that I'm now passing on to a couple of students who I've been mentoring um, all along. Um, Ashley, uh, Crystal, others that I've sent things to, Heather. Because um, my journey's kind of winding down a little bit. Um, I still have two young Canadian grandsons um, and two grand nephews in Saudi Arabia that I try to influence uh, with uh, my love of outdoors, and it's worked. They are little urban outdoor people. <laughs> so, Sue, yeah. when you talk about body, mind, and spirit, you know that I'm going to have to ask you, okay, so what what do you mean by the spiritual dimension when you think of children, when you think of the natural world? What, what does that mean? Uh, Richard Louv, uh, who wrote um, Nature Deficit Disorder, a text, a book that I used as a text in my Children of Nature class, um, he did not think that a child could really develop a relationship with a a spirit, a God, unless they could understand the awe and the wonder of being in nature. And I agree. When you are in out, out of doors, free of anxiety, you don't want to be out of doors surrounded by a bunch of bears or with cougars stalking you or something like that, because that will be anxiety producing. But if you're outdoors in your backyard that is a beautiful backyard with trees, if you're camping, if you're hiking, walking somewhere, there is a, a sense that comes over you that you are not the center of the universe. There is something bigger than you. There are enormous trees. There are plants. There are critters, creepy crawlies all over the ground that um, kind of puts you in your place in some sense. But there's also the fragrances, the, um, we like to call them the negative ions that come off of rivers. All of those are so important for us physically, but also for our spirit. They, um, was it Martin Luther that said nature was God's first Bible? I'm not sure. I got all those guys mixed up. Um, <laughs> But I think it's true, before we had any, any religion, had any kind of written down scripture, we had nature. We had God's creation. And I think recently we have forgotten that. We have moved away from that. Um, so in the, the Christian faith, we tend to try to dominate as opposed to work with and care for and nurture the um, uh, God's, God's creation. Is that 
Does that, that help? Oh, that, yeah, that really gets at it. And, it. and it's interesting now in this pandemic time where we are in some ways limited. On the other hand, my daily ritual <laughs> in the afternoons every day, I get outside for a block of time. Like I, my bike is ready to go after we've chatted. I'm going for a mm -hmm. long bike ride. And you know me, I get in my kayak and I go paddling and I go for walks. And that's that renewing time of body, mind, and spirit for me in this, in this anxiety-filled time. Um, you know, it's interesting uh, when you think about schools starting up again soon. One of, yes. one of my daughters is an early learning, uh, early childhood educator. And, um, you know, one of the challenges, whether you're in whatever age, but particularly with children, is how do we how do we gather to educate those early learning times with kids? Um, and it seems to me there is an enormous opportunity. Sometimes the word crisis means opportunity, right? There's yes. an opportunity right now um, to be outdoors as a safe place, but more important than safe as a holy place, as a, as a sort of a sanctuary, if you will. Can you talk a little bit about the opportunities now as we think about education, particularly early learning, but education in general right now in pandemic time? Yes. Um, the movement for outdoor education is very strong in other countries, not, not as strong here in the United States, although that's changing. In Scotland, they have a, a public school curriculum that can be entirely done out of doors. The whole thing, whether it's math, science, physical education, social studies, it can all be done out of doors. Germany with their forest schools, even Norway has all kinds of outdoor schools and we know what the weather is like up there. Claire used to say there's no bad weather, only bad clothing, <laughs> um, which I agree with. But during this time, especially in the United States, since we are not handling this pandemic very well, um, I think it's very frightening to even consider sending children back to schools. But I also know that parents need to work and childcare is very necessary. Out of doors is a safer place and there are ways that it can be done. Um, we tend in our culture to have brought formal education down to the preschool level which is unfortunate. We do not need to read by age five or four or whatever. We do need to make sure you can count by twos to a hundred by the time you're three. Those are constructs that parents and, and educators have put onto their children. What we do need to provide is a place for children to play because that is how they learn. They learn by playing, by taking on things, by trying out things. When a, a teacher or a parent is dictating what a child should do, that is no longer play. That is formal education. But providing the kind of materials that a child needs, which in my estimation are mud, sticks, rocks, maybe some feathers, maybe some straw, maybe some growing plants, a few trees, um, some fabric to make some tents with or big branches to make some, some kind of uh, uh, 
construction thing. Those are the important building blocks of education for the very young, for, for even uh, tiny kids. Um, they need to be out of doors. This pandemic has offered us a rare opportunity to really push that agenda to get kids outside more and more and more. Um, and I'm hopeful, for many things, but I'm hopeful right now that uh, childcare centers, preschools will take advantage of this um, and will develop their outdoor sites into as natural a setting as you possibly can with real green grass and real sand and real water and mud, um, places where the kids can um, get down and dirty with the elements of, the, of, of our earth. Um, so I'm hopeful about that. And if, if they would like folks as they're hearing this, some uh, coaching or some teaching, uh, consulting, are you available and if so, how would people reach you, Sue? Yes, I am available. Um, I would love to do that. I would love to help people figure out how to do more and more and more out of doors. Um, they could reach me by my email. That's best for me, email. I know people like to do that messenger thing, but I always miss those. Somehow I don't quite get connected on <laughs> messenger. But emails I look at every single day. Um, and that is sue.hoglum at gmail.com. Um, I would love Spell to help. H-O-U-G-L-U-M. Correct. Okay. And it's sue.hoglum at gmail.com. Um, I would love to help people uh, figure out what they have available to them and what natural things they could add to their outdoor space. Um, I, I love writing curriculum and helping people design appropriate cur curriculum that's play-based and nature-based um, for their young children. Even infants should be out of doors um, as much as possible. It's a safe place. Um, yeah, I'd love to do that. Anyone Wonderful. interested? As, as a way of kind of drawing together our conversation, this has been great fun. Um, it, are there some phrases, some adages, some wisdom that you'd like to pass on that have kind of guided you on your journey? Yeah, there's Claire, of course. Um, uh, there's no bad weather, only bad clothing. I love that one. But there's also a quote. I used to have this printed out on my office door. It was from John Muir. And he said, and I'm not sure if I get, I, I get this completely right, but something along the lines of, of all the paths you take in life, make sure some of them are dirt. <laughs> and I just love that. I think that that speaks volumes about making sure that your life is balanced so that you spend time in the dirt, outside, um, in nature. I think that's real important. Well, Susan Hoaglum, my outdoor early learning educator, friend. Thank you. This has been great fun. I'm sure you're going to head out to your garden. I am. How is your garden growing, by the way? Oh my goodness. I can grow potatoes. We have been eating potatoes like crazy. My broccoli is fabulous. I've had a 
terrible time with beans this year because they were invaded by mini slugs, the tiniest well, slugs you can imagine. It was terrible. But I've got that under control. Um, tomatoes, you know, this is Northwest. Tomatoes have always been iffy for me. Um, my berry crop is, uh, it's just abundant. We have golden raspberries that um, are amazing. Yum. Blueberries are just coming on. Yep. Pretty yep. great. Well, here's, here's the phrase that sticks in my mind. And I think my grandmother used to say it often, and my mother certainly said it. She would say to me, particularly when I was getting a little um, frisky, she'd say, David, go outside and play. How's that for yeah. wisdom? Oh, that is incredible wisdom. My mother, you know, she had five kids. She would open the door after breakfast and say, go. And we had a hundred acre farm to, to explore. And at night, when it was time for dinner, she would honk the car horn twice. And that meant, come down, come off the hill, come out of the meadows, dinner's ready. Well, make sure you get out in your garden, go outside and play. And again, thanks, Sue Hoagland. This has been absolutely delightful. This has been great. Thanks, Dave. It's given me an opportunity to talk about this sort of thing, and I love it. Great. Until next time, I'm Dave Ellingson, and this has been Say What? A Fresh Look at Old Sayings, the podcast which explores the origins, meaning, and value of old sayings, familiar expressions, and adages. Tune in to Say What? on your mobile device, computer, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And join me next time for our Life Journey Conversation with the nationally known director of the Center for Leadership and Neighborhood Engagement, Pastor Kelly Chapman. For more information on my books and films, check out my website, dellingson.com. And thanks for listening.